I'm Dean Murdoch, and this is Amazing Places. Welcome to another episode of Amazing Places. This week has been an interesting one in the district of Saanich. Casinos were the topic in the council chamber. Saanich Mayor Fred Haynes is my guest this week. Mayor Haynes had been describing some of the potential benefits of bringing a casino to Saanich, including revenue generation potential to pay for some of Saanich's infrastructure. Things changed on Monday night when Mayor Haynes joined his council colleagues in unanimously opposing a casino. We're going to talk to him about what went on in that decision and what happens now in terms of economic development opportunities in Saanich as a casino is no longer going to be part of that vision. So let's bring him in now and we'll hear what this means for Saanich. Please welcome Saanich Mayor Fred Haynes. Hi Dean and I'm delighted to be here in an amazing place with an amazing Dean Murdoch. Thank you oh. Dean, for all you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, I'm, I'm so delighted to have you here. I'm, I'm so happy that we found a reason to, to get you on the podcast. Always lots of good things going on in Saanich. Um, but uh, I wanted to chat with you about, uh, well, the broader discussion will be economic development and, and the opportunities within Saanich. Uh, but what caught my eye, and I'm sure for a lot of folks who have been paying attention uh, locally, was the recent discussion about a casino in Saanich. Yes. And, and so uh, why don't you take us through it? Set the stage for us. How is it that this came to be a discussion in Saanich? So it came up in 2015, Dean, with a request from British BC Lottery Corporation to the 13 municipalities of who would be interested in hosting a possible casino um, at that time, because the West Shore market was decided to be well positioned and there was a sufficient market with tourism and uh, visitors to the island are not international tourists, but BC tourists, Canadian tourists, to justify a new casino, Say they so they thought. So it came to... Um, it, it came to Saanich and Victoria and Oak Bay, all the municipalities, and two municipalities, Victoria and Saanich, said, yes, we'd be interested. So when it came in 2015, it was a majority vote, six, seven to two, with myself, uh, Councillor Derman, and yourself saying something like this. Um, and Dean, I'm going to be cheeky here. Um, Councillor Murdoch with the rest of us, and he captured the idea of council, which is, if Saanich is chosen to host a gaming facility, public consultation should be part of the process and decisions will be made based on the merits of an application. As we then know, BCLC decided to go with Victoria, um, but that was Saanich's position as a majority decision. So then several years later, back in uh, 2019, BCLC came to Saanich to say, Victoria is no longer interested. They've had that confirmation. What is our position? We were five months into a new term. Unanimously, council reiterated that. That, okay, we're interested in hearing more. We would need public consultation. And uh, that was a unanimous majority vote of the council then. Um, it took another year for BCLC to get themselves organized. They came back in early 2020, in fact, in March, um, March 11th, to say, okay, Saanich, we'd like to engage. Three days later, the bottom fell out of the world with COVID. Time goes by. Early this year, they came back to re-engage. So we had two majority decisions from council, one was unanimous, and a direction to staff to bring a report. So as mayor receiving that uh, re-engagement offer, an acting mayor, Councillor Bryce, we said, okay, community, uh, it's noted in our minutes, in fact, that we were saying, 
public didn't seem to engage the last few times. Let's tell the public this is happening. Let's get the word out there. So Councillor Bryce and I went out and said, this is the conversation. These are some of the pros. These are some of the cons. This is going to come to council. At that point, people started to really get engaged. And we had more public engagement from residents speaking individually to council, writing to council, commenting in the uh, media. Then we get to um, the decision at council, which is where I think we're going to see where the train has left the station. We decided not to get on that train. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the economic development opportunities. Um, it'd be more engaging to talk about others because those ones won't go forward. But the decision came down to values. We decided as a collective at council that the issues around money laundering, the deleterious effects of gambling, uh, gambling addictions on a family and a family budget and a family social network were not worth it, despite the significant monies that may or may not have been available there. Some people argue that maybe they wouldn't be available um, for the region as a whole. Others would argue that uh, View Royal gets three to four million dollars by having a casino. Sandwich would have some equivalent to that. But council's decision was no, we're not going to go after that type of money. We want to engage in economic development of a different kind. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we should go now, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm glad that you ended on that point because that was the thing that I, I know in particular what caught my attention was the discussion about the potential for revenue generation that this could pay for infrastructure. And you specifically mentioned sidewalks, which of course, you know, is an issue yes, that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. And so uh, tell me a little bit about the thinking there, how that, that may have contributed uh, for Saanich's benefit, why that may have been something that a casino would, would offer. We're the second largest municipality in BC by size. We have a deficit of sidewalks and a deficit of cycle paths, which is something you championed effectively as a councillor. And with a councillor with young children, you argued for safe roads to school, yeah. 12 safe roads to school, routes to school, which is being done. So the point here is that um, uh, when we did our last year's budget, we're already spending some six to eight million dollars a year on improving our sidewalk and bicycle paths. It costs about $1,000 per meter. Mm. And we have a 30-year oh, wow. plan, yeah. a 30-year plan to add sidewalks and add bicycle paths at $1,000 a meter. So 1,000 yards of sidewalk is a million dollars. So uh, just thinking so, about uh, the desirability so, of a casino to offset so here's, that, yeah, those costs. So here's, here's the question. Yeah. Do we do that through tax lifts? Mm -hmm. And every million and 0.3 dollars is a point on the tax lift. Or could we have taken that money from something like revenue from a casino to help pay for sidewalks and bicycle paths? And would that allow us to accelerate our climate action plan to reduce it from a 50 year plan to a 30 year plan? And recently we just asked for $2 million, it's actually now $2.6 million in the current budget to address accelerated climate action, to add more sidewalks, to add more bicycle paths to our municipality. Um, that's where that was landing as one of the potential, because as you may recall back in 2015, the then councillor Vic Derman, who had an amazing understanding of these things said, that was something he would have been interested in. And I think that echoed in the 2019 decision. And it echoed in one of the benefits we could say, if there's more money, where would we spend it? Well, perhaps it would be on increasing and improving the livability of the streets and roads in Saanich. The other so one was we have a big ask on the ice hockey arena which is a third ice hockey arena that many residents have been seeking. 
And so that I guess when presented in those terms, the question before council is, do they accept some of the less desirable attributes of a casino in yeah. favor of that revenue or, which is ultimately what council decided this time around, do they not go down that road because of some of the social harm that it causes and rather look for other opportunities for revenue generation? Dean, thank you for that. I think what we resonated on was do no harm. The principle of precautionary actions, take care to do no harm. And if there was risk of harm, even if some people felt it was a small risk or a big risk, there was a risk of harm, we decided it's not worth that. So it was really a value position, which is a wonderful position for this council to have taken that we would rather not risk harm and on, for, for the issues around get the casino, Meanwhile, understand it will take us longer to get those sidewalks and bike paths in if that was how the money would be used. Mm -hmm. And so I guess now having come down from that decision, so you joined your colleagues in, in turning down the, the offer. It was, from, it, it from, was unanimous, Dean. It was unanimous. Yeah. And so having been in the, the previous position of saying, here's an opportunity, it's now, okay, we've, we've closed the door on that as an option. So where does that put you now? What, what does that mean in terms of potential economic opportunity? Well, a couple of things. Uh, Dean, you might know that one of the roles that I had uh, was Planning, Transportation and Economic Development Advisory Committee for two years in my first part of the term. And we started to raise economic development as a piece of the work Sandwich can be more engaged in. At that time, we turned to a collective of the South Island Prosperity Partner Project. And you were part of the decisions around uh, putting aside some of our budget, it's around $180,000 a year, to go into that collective with 11 municipalities now, all the First Nations, around 50 private sector, looking at regional economic development. So we continue with that. And we're asking South Island Prosperity Project to look at um, bouncing out of COVID. So there's quite a wonderful workshop coming up in November um, on the future of the economy, on the economic future of the region. Separately to that, we always had that interest about an in-house solution to economic development, specific to Saanich. There are some 4,500 businesses registered in Saanich. And oddly enough, there's been a jump in those because so many people now have either downsized from work and are starting their little businesses. Right. I think it's grown to about 5,000, uh, but I've got to check that number. So we're going to start to roll up our sleeves, which is one of the remarks made at council at the time of that decision, roll up our sleeves and see what more we can do for other types of economic development in Saanich. Um, so that would be one piece of it from the South Island Prosperity Partners. But another piece was a report that came from Paul Nursey at Tourism Victoria, which is now Sports and Tourism Commission, saying, hey, Saanich, we commissioned him to do a report. It was under the time of Councillor Brownoff when she was on PTED, and he brought forward a report to say you need two or three hotels. Um, Saanich is very well positioned to have agri-tourism, local food production, um, art and culture, uh, from uh, uh, the um, artistic base of Sandwich, which is quite substantial. Um, uh, Swan Lake Nature Sanctuary, um, the Halliburton area of, uh, I apologize, uh, Horticultural Center of the Pacific oh, yes. and Panama Flats. And to build up those sort of destinations, when people come here, they get an experience. Can we bring some of those cruise ship people into Sandwich? Dean, you were there when we got the uh, Caledonian Whiskey Distillery. 
Yes. That itself has become a destination. We now have uh, Tog Creek Cidery, which has become a destination. Mm -hmm. So these sort of destination type experiences for tourism was where Paul Nursey was saying at the time is a sweet spot that Saanich could do more. So we're gonna be looking at that. And we've had a couple of workshops since then. Um, other than that, within the toolkit of the municipality is to revitalize our core areas, corridors, villages, and centers. And um, by doing that, we give a certainty to population density. We're looking for circumstances, Dean, where people can do with less car in their life, more time in their life mm -hmm. by living and working in a vital community. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that because I think there's probably folks who are listening and they're thinking economic development and local government, what am I missing? You know, that yeah. they, would, they would say, okay, senior levels of government, they've, they've got um, the regulatory framework to make things happen. Local government, they're responsible for land use. So where are the opportunities to, to get uh, economic development? So I'm, I'm pleased to hear you going down that pathway that I think you're headed toward on, on those local land use based decisions where you can create those kinds of economic opportunities. So Dean, yes, exactly. And um, that's something that um, I was very curious coming into Sandwich as a counselor. Um, some people know that I've spent 30 years publishing in the economic development space yes. under a company called Contact Canada, particularly in the high tech, medical devices, um, pharmaceuticals, um, renewable energy, et cetera. And within the municipality, the tools we have is land use and, and planning. And one of the big successes is Rutledge Park, the multifamily unit that went in there that we had to argue as a council for a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of resisted a little bit by the developer but that has been such a successful model that now that many of the multifamily units coming forward are looking to include some community space. And that community space would be commercial of some kind, a coffee shop, a meeting place, that type of thing. So what we also want on a bigger scale is the example we're gonna see, I believe in University Heights when this comes back. University Heights is an older mall, it's tired. The owners want to upgrade it. The upgrade would include 650 units of rental from single family, single bedroom to three bedroom. It would include daycare, ideally some medical offices, shops, etc. cetera, um, uh, parking sufficient, but a massive uh, opportunity to live, work and play in the same area. So that young families could wake up in the morning, live locally and work locally, take their children to a daycare in the same building perhaps, because that's the way it's being designed. I don't know if you've seen the designs, it'll be coming back to council shortly, that would give people more time in their lives and the ability to do away with car ownership and then move to the moto car or car on demand ownership and e-bike. That itself would give people more disposable income to spend within Saanich. So that's part of the economic development we're looking for. So I, I guess what I'm wondering is, does that, is Saanich looking in terms of how do we then use that to generate revenue? Because I, I know you've mentioned quite a bit about 70%, more than 70% of Saanich's budget is coming directly from property tax revenue. Correct, so, 77%. Yeah, so looking at ways to try and supplement that with non-property tax revenue. Is that the end game or is it rather creating communities with, the, with jobs yeah. where, where people live? Dean, if you do it well, you get both. You get, yes. first of all, a real vibrant, much nicer community, um, and you get um, a diversification of your tax base. 
Um, one of the things we're hearing is that we're the second largest municipality by size in BC, with the eighth largest by population. So we have, all, we have more roads and pipes per capita than many people, and it's aging. We do have an infrastructure reserve fund, but we have new aspirations for sidewalks, bicycle paths, where we started this conversation, how are we gonna pay for them? Either we pay for them by growing the tax base within Saanich, when we get more density, we get a, a more efficient yield of taxes mm -hmm. on housing. When we get housing that also has commercial, we get uh, uh, the, the taxes on commercial and retail uh, three, four, five times more than a residential tax base per square foot. So whilst the 23% um, uh, of our taxes come from industry, commercial and retail, like non-residential, it represents a much smaller proportion of the land base in Saanich. I think it's under 5%. So even a small increase in the non-residential asset by size of area gives a bigger yield in the tax base. And we could set some targets. We could say, how do we get to 30% of taxes from non-residential is that possible within Saanich? Dean, you, you may have heard there's a, maybe you haven't, I don't know. There's a movie studio coming to Saanich. Yes. How would that be? How would that be to help move us away, uh, move us along the economic journey? Now, if it's at Camosun, one of the things with Crownland is you don't get taxes on that, but we would get a big economic lift off of that. Um, when we went to Bridge Street Studios in part of our investigation, they have 3000 employees, average salaries, average salaries 100,000 plus, and that includes from wardrobe, hairdressing, um, all the arts and craft of set making, carpentry, electronics, plumbing, as well as the more uh, known aspects of movie uh, creation. Last year, we got $50 million in the, in the area in movie production here, thanks to Kathleen Gilbert. That's a doubling from the previous year of 25 million. So there are these ways of going after our economic growth that are, are more wholesome. So I, I did see that announcement. The, the province is funding a, a study. So I, it'll be a, a business case on, on creating a film studio in Saanich, or it sounds like it would ideally be located at the Camosun campus. Um, what does that expose? What are the elements that they're looking for in the study? And that's going to be sort of the go, no go from their perspective. Well, first of all, it, it, it's about uh, what's the capacity of the market to take on another studio. Um, Dean, you, we'd already done three studies. This particular study is, is, is launched by the province. It's $150,000 and it is focused in on the commotion opportunity. And it's going to be um, some of the top people in the movie industry are preparing that business opportunity, that business description. It will describe the number of sound stages, which we think is three, um, production of movies uh, on site, that's production offices, and academic skill training offices. We need about 10,000 square feet of academic, 10,000 square feet of production facilities, and probably three movie, movie sound stages that are uh, 20 to 22,000 square feet each. Um, there needs to be community consultation. There needs to be a new road built off of interurban up into Camosun. That budget is already in place with $2 million already given by the, by the province to Camosun to build that road. Whether there's a movie studio or, the, or not, Camosun's master plan sees a building on that site. Right mm -hmm. now it's the site where the forestry 
buildings are, where there's the provincial uh, Department of Forestry has some buildings. They're in green, green, a green area with very few trees. Um, so there's not an issue around the trees, um, but it is an area that is underutilized. So for highest and best use, Commotion will be looking to do that. Um, so the, uh, that was the one that I thought was interesting in the announcement was this this potential for funding uh, a new road to go through. So is that the case that it would be um, in addition to interurban, there would be a secondary access built to that location? Coming off of interurban, just past the access into the current car parks, just past there as you go around the bend, past the McNutt, up on the left-hand side, cutting underneath where the health, health sciences building is. Mm -hmm. Campbell, okay. the Campbell building that was funded by Campbell. Going up there, it's $2 million, just where the Pisces track is. And Pisces themselves just got a million dollars. The other piece of economic development is the centers of excellence we have for sports, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, there would be a road going up there. And then we're looking for a private sector initiative of around 35 to $40 million for the full build out or a staggered build out one sound stage at a time. Each sound stage would have a little cluster of academic classrooms and a, a cluster of um, production facilities. What we've heard from Ayatsu, which is the uh, the union of everything film for workers, yeah. um, that with this particular program on the campus, they would get certification into the industry, which is like an amazing opportunity for those residents of Sandwich on the region who take that training. Um, we understand that there are a number of significant players looking at this opportunity in Saanich. Why is Saanich? Why not Langford Dean? Why not, <laughs> why not Up Island? Yeah. The answer is location. We are central to the airport. We are central to the ferries. And more importantly, what we're hearing is this need in the industry for skill sets. Or in, and look what Commotion's got already, the trade center, metalwork, woodwork, engineering. Uh, they've got the hospitality side. Um, separate to that, look what's happening at UVic. UVic have the whole tech park there. There would mm -hmm. be room for further opportunities there. And UVic is uh, not um, ready to talk about it yet, perhaps, but they're looking at some digital technology as part of the going on to the uh, tech park there. We have a current application to do some light industry space on the tech park. Um, one unit's going in on there on the first car park that you see as you go up up, up, up Markham Road. Mm -hmm. But um, there's an opportunity for six additional light industry spaces on the tech park. And um, we're going to move forward shortly with the um, University of Victoria on updating the master plan for that whole tech park, how it gets enough pipes for sewer, water, uh, infrastructure for roads, and how we uh, operationalize and accelerate the economic opportunity that can come out of that park. You know, we have so much else we can do but we don't need that casino piece. Yes. Well, we I, other great stuff. So you, you've mentioned a lot of uh, different opportunities that are potentially in, in the pipe. Uh, one that, uh, you know, I've, I've known Councillor Judy Brownoff for years, and I know that she often talks about a hotel. And yes. that, that was amazing. It came up uh, again this past week in well terms of the casino. Yep. Uh, and I know you had mentioned anchoring that the casino would sort of be anchoring a an entertainment district so that there would be more to it which sounds you know highly desirable there are folks out there going oh, you know slot machines and blackjack i don't know but the idea of a hotel and an entertainment district i think really had appeal so i wonder does that stay on the table is that yes. something sandwich is is going to continue to look at and then i guess of course freed from the requirements of it being 
on the eastern side of Saanich, you now open up further potential of, of where something like that could go. Correct. Dean, that's a brilliant question. Well done. Um, Judy's been a fantastic advocate of that since uh, as long as I've known her, but particularly with that economic report from Paul Nursey and Tourism, who identified exactly that. Um, we need a hotel around the Victoria campus area, but a hotel that has um, uh, buffet, uh, catering, banqueting, then those rooms can be morphed into a conference room so you can have uh, large meetings there and still have like the Herman's Jazz Club entertainment kind of flavor. You know, not large scale, smaller scale. Certainly, if there was a casino, then there's that offset financing, which um, helps bring in uh, perhaps uh, bigger ticket items. But the, the concept, is, concept is still in place. And I know that there are four different groups looking at hotels in Saanich as we speak. And in fact, um, before the casino piece came back to us, after um, BCLC realized that Victoria was not going to be interested in it, we already had some hotel groups looking at at exactly that, a hotel with an entertainment complex um, on the east side of Saanich, maybe two, maybe three. Now COVID has come and everyone's kind of taking a deep look. We think the hotel business will bounce back in two to three years. We're waiting to see. It could be a surge, but Dean, how long would it take us to get approval for a hotel through the system and a hotel built? It's gonna take us two, three years, which could be perfect timing could be two, three, four, five years, could be perfect timing to receive that resurgence of the tourism that comes mm -hmm. to Victoria. We don't just get tourism internationally, we get tourism because we have UVic, we have Camosun, we have students here, we have all the sports teams here. Howard Johnson's at Elk Lake is the, one of the most successful hotels since the day it was opened by Brian Martin. He was very clever, he recognized the need, built that hotel right next to the Sunnich Commonwealth Place, the number of teams that come in, in fact, on his opening day, his place was filled with sports teams' parents coming to watch their children. And that's a legacy from the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, it, it certainly occurred to me. I know the reason the Howard Johnson has been successful is because of its proximity to the, the competitive part of Commonwealth Place. Uh, and so it, it occurred to me that the university uh, off, obviously offers a very similar opportunity. People coming when we're allowed to again from all over the world to compete at the university and would need a place to stay obviously proximal to, to that location. Dean, yes, and not only that, but uh, having been on a university campus myself for 13 years, and as you, with your university life, you know, there's convocations, there's special events, there's graduations. Where do the parents stay? Yes. Where do uncle and auntie come and stay to watch their daughter, nephew, niece graduate? There's yes. no hotel there. It would be packed. It just needs to be built. Yes. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is, again, back to land use. And I heard uh, Councillor DeVries mention this on, on Monday night uh, in respect of the casino decision. Um, he talked specifically about land use changes that create a financial lift for Saanich. And I know you, you mentioned this in terms of mixed use, but there's an opportunity where I think Saanich has direct control over its potential to, to do that revenue generation, but more importantly, create those housing opportunities for folks who, who so badly want to find a home to live in. And why not in Saanich? As you and I both know, it's a fantastic part of the world and folks would love to be here. So what does that look like in terms of potentials? Uh, you, you talked about uh, corridors and villages and, and densification and, and what that may bring. Is that something that, that Saanich has an opportunity to pursue uh, in the nearer term? Can we begin to see that, that kind of development occur? 
Dean, I have to hedge the answer here by saying yes, absolutely, maybe. Because right now, <laughs> that's a good one. Well-rounded. Brilliant. Uh, how, if you've seen the work of Councillor DeVries and Councillor Harper on the housing task force, which has currently just come back from public consultation, it's a very thoughtful document. It was a blue chip panel of people weighing in on there from some of the most skillful, knowledgeable academics, uh, people in the industry that build the housing, people that live in housing of rental or, or ownership, and it's, it's uh, people working in the nonprofit community. It has a number of those elements in it about how we optimize housing in Saanich um, with land lift that would, would land lift yields that would help our tax base. But that would be tax base on more residential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other piece is we have certain lands. I mean, we know some of them in Saanich. People think, oh, the municipality must own a lot of land because there's so much green space. A lot of that we don't own, in fact, the vast majority of it. Um, but that that we do own, we're trying now to bring to market. Separately, we're looking at doing a major development at the public workshop. There's controversy there. Um, yes. did, this all happened within the first few months of this term. We kind of kicked that ball down the road to get, get it rolling. Um, uh, it's been announced and uh, the, we did a big debate around where could we move the public workshop to, could it be broken up, could it be, etc. Looks like it's going to stay there, that's been the will of council on that, but we're going to add housing there. Interesting, okay. At the public workshop, so it's going to be an integrated um, resource centre for the community. So we're trying to optimise our own lands, I, we actually have a call into staff to look at opportunities for daycare centres on Saanich owned land. We oh, do excellent. have some little nuggets of land around parks, and that is winding itself through. One of the things we did do coming in as a council was have a decision to work with our municipal partners, North Saanich, Central Saanich, Saanich, Sydney, Highlands, and Oak Bay, on what daycare would look for our whole collective, because people will work in one city, travel to another. But the more daycare we have locally, adds to our economic vitality for all the reasons we've talked about before. So we're looking at what lands we can bring forward with daycare. We've sent dozens of letters out to every minister that's appropriate to encourage daycare facilities. And we're seeing uptake at School District 63 and School District 61 with daycare facilities on those um, schools. This is, so it's an integrated mass. Each of them by themselves isn't the answer, but collectively these threads will come together so that within a few years, we hope to move that dial on growing the non-residential tax base, increasing people's delight of living here. Dean, people talk about the housing needs assessment, and we had this report that said we had 600, based on 600 a year in housing deficit, yes. 600 units a year, based on 2016 uh, census. I believe it's woefully underestimated, but I, I, I can say that any house that's built, any home unit that's built in Saanich sells out immediately. So uh, we're looking at Uptown Douglas Corridor, eight to 12 floors on the edges, going up to 18 to 20 in the middle. This will be 4,000 new homes in Saanich in a very dense area around shopping malls employment. That Douglas Corridor employs 36% of everybody in the region. If we plug more housing in there, who wouldn't want to live there? So you can live, work and play right there. You don't need a car. Yeah. You can rent a car for your enjoyment. This is all part of the ingredients of, of, of revitalizing economic development, the quality of life, yeah. and reducing the tax impacts because we have a small population in a big municipality.
Well, and of course, if you're going to do uh, more development at Uptown, which I, I agree with you, I think is a logical place to put that kind of density, um, you're going to need the place to play. And that has been the major shortcoming in that area, right, is that there's not a lot of green space, there's not a lot of place for kids. Uh, you right. got Rutledge a little bit farther down the road, but uh, that's going to be one of the areas where where I think with the addition of, of some uh, really viable uh, open air space for people to enjoy, Saanich has a great opportunity uh, in the Uptown Douglas Corridor. Oh yes, certainly. But Dean, the other piece there, which we didn't talk about yet was Panama Flats. Aha, uh -huh, yes. Recognizing what you've just said there, we just did a, a complete reversal to say, Panama Flats is more important as a green, wild naturescape, a watershed capture area, floodplain, way more valuable than agriculture. So whilst there may be some small scale agriculture, we're no longer going to go forward with the application to the Ag Agricultural Land Commission to put it in the Agricultural Land Reserve. I was, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was curious, does that close the door entirely on the small scale farming? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, because I know I, I had Linda Gage on recently and that was one of the things we talked about was the potential to, to keep it as natural space, but to have some level of small scale, uh, small plot farming. Halliburton Farm, Dean, you, you're familiar with that, but also oh, yes, very when, much. We look at that, when we look at that area, the economic cost of bringing that to production is, is considerable. So although it's big in land, it's not big in high use for farming. Mm -hmm. And that was the advice from people on the uh, PAC, Peninsula and Area Agricultural Commission, which I spent time on and you're familiar with. But there are certainly some acreages there, not many, that would be ideal. They don't get flooded. They've got nutrition, nutritious soil. It could be done. It still won't be as easy, but certainly it is an opportunity. And I'm on the, exactly the same page as Linda Gege and also Councillor Natalie Chambers yes. and Councillor DeVries and the rest of Council who said small scale agricultural use. Yes, mainly recreation and open, beautiful green space, more important. And what we're hearing is the value for mental health has never been more apparent for green space. And yeah. that particular area is really um, a great natural asset already. And then just down the road, as you said, would be Uptown Douglas corridor, which is gonna be high dense. So the more open spaces we keep within commute, I mean, it's just a spike ride down the road. They're connected by bicycle trails. You could easily come out of the Uptown Douglas corridor and get yourself to Panama Flats or Cuthbert Holmes Park, et cetera, et cetera. We have all these great green spaces in Saanich, which um, add to why Saanich is such a great place. Absolutely. You know, I, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface in, in terms of all the great things that Sandwich has to offer, but uh, really appreciate understanding the economic opportunity. Uh, you don't have the casino, or it won't serve as the, the centerpiece for that strategy, but it definitely sounds like you've got a number of key opportunities to pursue, uh, both immediately within the control of council and then also opportunities that may come into the district as well. So delighted to hear it. I've really appreciated the chance to, to have the to have a chat with you and to understand uh, where Saanich may be going. Dean, delightful again. I always appreciated uh, every time we got together and I appreciated every, every opportunity I had to work with you and always to challenge each other too with our ideas because the resulting idea is better. And I feel the same from this conversation. Just going through this process with you has helped my own clarity. Thank you. Likewise, it's a pleasure. We'll do it again soon. 
Sounds good, Dean. Thank you. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. I'm Dean Murdoch. Thanks for listening.